Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to the Real Life Northside podcast. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, and you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Check out the descriptions for ways to stay in touch or to get involved. Let's take a look at this week's message. If you haven't been with us uh, recently, you may be don't know, or maybe it's been a while. We've been walking through the book of Luke because it's a gospel. It's a story of Jesus' life, ministry, and teaching. Gospel is good news about Jesus. Luke, this author from the first century, is a physician who has put together this careful eyewitness accounts into a narrative to help us understand who Jesus is, what he's about, how we follow him, what it means to be his disciples. Every single one of us is called to be a disciple of Jesus, invited by him, and and are being changed by him and equipped by him for the work of making disciples. Collectively, that's how we reach the world. That's why we're studying the book of Luke. That's why we want to come into this conversation today very humble, hungry, ready to grow and learn. So I want to pray as we look to Luke chapter 17. If you need to look it up, you got it on the Bible app. We've got a live event. Just go to events on the YouVersion app. You can find it there. We'll have stuff on the screen as well. Let me pray. Let's look to Luke 17 together. God, we need you. Just sense your spirit being poured out in this room like we are just singing, God. Where everybody's at online, God, I know that your spirit is moving. I pray, God, that you would just continue your work in each of our lives. Some of us got drug here this morning, not by our own will, God, but by your grace, and you got us here on purpose, and so speak, God. We don't want to waste a moment, God. We don't want to just kind of mail in this time together, Lord. I pray that you would be here powerfully working, shaping, speaking, transforming, God. We are trusting you to be here with us in this time. Bring your word alive, God. Some of us have a hard time understanding what you're saying to us, God, make it just real and plain for every single one of us, Lord. We trust you and we look to you. In Jesus' name, can you say amen this morning? Amen. Luke 17, let me just read you this passage. I'll, we'll, we'll pull it apart here in a moment. This is the first, um, I think, 11 verses here in chapter 17 of the book of Luke. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to the one through whom they come. Woe is a warning. Watch out for those to those who through temptation comes. It would be better for him, he says, if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones, like young ones in the faith, to sin. Pay attention to yourselves, he says. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted, planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him, When he has come in from the field, come at once, recline at table. Come on, sit down. Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? He says in verse 10, so you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. 
Jesus is clarifying for the disciples here what the life of a disciple is like and what it's all about. My wife and I were reflecting uh, this month, um, the month of June, um, 11 years ago is when we moved our family to Spokane to, to plant this church. Uh, the church didn't start until the fall, until October of 2010, but uh, 11 years ago is when the groups had grown to a place where I was commuting over here from Coeur d'Alene uh, all the time, several nights a week, several days a week, and uh, it just got to the point where we were like, hey, we got to be in Spokane. God's called us to plant a church in Spokane. Let's move. And I remember the super romantic anniversary on uh, uh, that year where we drove around crying, looking for houses all over Spokane. It was like dreamy, right? Dream date night. And uh, finally found a rental and uh, moved our family early June to Spokane to help launch this work in we were reflecting, my wife and I were this week, on like, why do we do what we do, and why have we done what we've done, and what has God called us to? And there's these moments of reflection that I think are so important for us to recenter our lives, recenter our, our why, the reason that motivates us, that gets us up in the morning, that keeps us inspired and moving forward. And Jesus is, is centering the disciples here on the life that he's calling them to. And it's like these, one of these recalibration moments. What are we about? What are we doing? Why are we doing what we're doing? How does this happen? What is it all about? I titled this, this message today, This is the Life, because there's really this kind of sense to his disciples, like, hey, guys, this is the life that I've called you to. This is what it's going to look like day in and day out, week in and week out. This is the kind of heart I want you to have. This is the kind of life I want you to live. This is what it means to be my disciple. And I think that this is a really important conversation as we head into the summer. Uh, as people, I know it's busy and things are happening and we're going to get away and we don't have as much crazy COVID stuff as we did last summer. And so there's this like excitement, anticipation, there's plans happening, there's lake days that are getting all booked up and everything's all getting figured out and it's awesome, right? But, but the temptation, I think, and the uncertainty of this season is we could be so busy doing so much good stuff that we kind of forget and lose sense of what we're all about and why we do what we do and what motivates us and what leads our hearts. And Jesus is going, hey, if you're my disciple, this is the life. This is the life I've called you to. This is the heart I want you to have. And so I want you to hear today this message out of Luke 17, uh, 1 through 10 here. I want you to hear it with the, that kind of lens. Hear Jesus coming alongside, putting his arm around you and going, hey, I know you've got a lot going on. I know you have a lot of struggles, a lot of anxieties, a lot of fears. I know you have a lot of busyness at work. I know you have a lot happening in your heart. But I want you to remember why you're doing what you're doing. I want you to be reminded of who you are and what I want to do in your life. This is the life that I've called you to. This is the kind of person I want you to be. I want you to be a disciple who makes disciples. This is the life. In Luke 17, those first couple of verses, he says to his disciples, hey, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Look at verse three. Pay attention to yourselves. There's an exclamation point there. Pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention to the trajectory of your life and whether or not you're helping or hurting, pay attention to the life you're living. If you're writing down notes on the sheet that we gave you, you're taking notes in the Bible app, the life of a disciple is a life of awareness. I want you to capture this. Pay attention to yourself. The life of awareness 
is the life of a disciple, where we're aware constantly of how we're helping hurting relationships. Are, are we helping encourage people towards Jesus? Are we actually hurting, hindering people from Jesus? You know, our attitudes, our words, the way we are in our meetings, in our small groups, in our, in our work environments, in our schools, all of these moments relationally, we're either helping or hurting. Do we have any idea how we're doing? Jesus says, pay attention to yourself. Man, temptations of sin are gonna come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It'd be better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and cast into the sea than for temptation to come through him. Warning, disciple of Jesus, don't be the one that sin comes through. This is the life that Jesus had called us to, a life of awareness, paying attention to the, to the help or the hurt that we are being constantly. Have you ever thought about how you might lead people to temptation? I was thinking about some simple ones that we're navigating all the time. In pastoral leadership, everything we do is people dynamics, right? Broken relationships, hurting stuff, forgiveness, unforgiveness. There's, there's all kinds of stuff constantly swirling around. Some of the things that I see as common occurrences, one would be you lead people into sin, into temptation through gossip. Hey, have you heard? Hey, did you hear about them? Do you know about so-and-so and what they're wrestling with or where they're at or what, what sin is going on in their life? Man, it is so easy to get caught up in this trap to go, hey, did you hear about them? We should pray for them. Right, right? It's like, it's like spiritual gossip. We should pray for them. We should, we should really, you know, I'm going to bring this up in my small group and make sure everybody knows at my small group how messed up you are, right? Like, this is, this is gossip, right? This is the temptation for somebody to buy into that and to start sinning could come through you if you are prone in this way. Man, to, to think of, of us inviting people into sinful activity is, is just heartbreaking. The life of a disciple needs to pay attention to ourselves. Are we helping? Are we hurting? I was thinking about how easy it is for some of us to have somebody else stumble around us. Paul talks, and if you're taking notes, write down 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. He's talking about food sacrifice to idols. He's talking about freedoms. Hey, you're free to drink alcohol. You're free to do these things. But what if, what if somebody around you isn't free because they come out of addiction or they come out of a broken life and you're actually making them stumble by, by kind of abusing your freedoms, right? There's this responsibility that we have as a disciple to pay attention to how we're helping or hurting people around us all the time. And I think it's important for us to understand that we might actually be the doorway into somebody else's temptation. God forbid, right? None of us would ever want to do that. And that's why Jesus is going, hey, if you're my disciple, I want you to pay attention to yourself. I would hate for any of you to be somebody that causes somebody to stumble. It'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea. Pay attention to yourself. I was thinking about this question, am I helping or am I hurting? Conversations, relationships, groups, meetings, every place that we're interacting with people, we have this opportunity and this responsibility to pay attention to ourselves. One of the things that... Um, we uh, are thinking about a lot is when is my helping actually hurting? There's a whole book written on this, When Helping Hurts, or, or Toxic um, Kind of Helping. 
where, where actually we're not helping somebody process what God is doing in their life. We're actually kind of rescuing them from the brokenness that God is trying to reveal and heal in their hearts. One of our small group guidelines when you're in group with us is, hey, no fixing or rescuing. Why is this an important guideline in our groups? Because right when you jump in to try to help somebody in the name of Jesus might be the moment that the Holy Spirit is actually trying to heal something in their hearts. And so for us to recognize, hey, God has his part and I have my part and my part might be a lot smaller than God's part and I might be actually hurting the process of of healing in this person's life by running to kind of fix everything that's broken in their lives. Somehow we have to be really dependent on the Spirit's leadership and prompting to know when is appropriate and when isn't. When is my helping actually hurting and when is it actually helping, right? This is paying attention to yourself. And this is a dynamic that a disciple gets invited into. This is the life that Jesus is going, hey, I want to use you to reach this world. I want your life to be a beacon of hope. I want you to be somebody who's transformed by my love and my grace and peace just floods your soul that people are like, what's up with you? What happened in your life? Where did that peace come from? Because my life is a wreck and I don't have a single drop of peace like you do. Like God wants your life to be this light in a dark place, but many of us are not paying attention to how we're either helping or hurting or how we're coming across. Jesus is just simple in this passage. Pay attention to yourself. This is the life. It's a life of awareness. The other thing I want you to see in this passage, he says in verse three, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Think about how simple Jesus makes this. Hey, if somebody sins, rebuke him. Tell him not to do it anymore. That's rebuke, right? And then when he repents, forgive him. Think about how complicated we make it. Well, I'll forgive him if... Right? We've got a list of, of, of what it needs to look like in order to extend forgiveness. See, Jesus is going, hey, I want to invite you into a new life. A life of a disciple is a life of restoration, if you're taking notes. A life of restoring relationship constantly. People are going to sin around you all the time. You're going to sin constantly, and people are going to need to restore you and forgive you. This is what makes Jesus' church different. Because when people mess up, people forgive each other. When, when people say stupid stuff, they overlook offenses. This is what makes us different than the world. Jesus said that they are going to know you are my disciples by your love for one another. He's saying, hey, this is what it means to be a disciple is to live a life of restoration. When somebody sins, rebuke them. When they repent, forgive them. Keep it simple. Don't carry this list of offenses around in your life and in your heart of all the people that have wronged you and how they've hurt you and, and, and why they, they don't deserve your forgiveness and grace in your life. That is not a free life. That is not a, a, a peace-filled life. That is a broken, weighed-down life. And Jesus is going, hey, I want you to have a really clear, simple life. Re rebuke people when they sin and forgive them when they repent. Let's keep it simple, right? This is what it looks like to live a life of restoration. And then he goes the next step, and it's like, Jesus, come on. If he sins against you seven times in the same day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, listen to his words, you must forgive him. Isn't it hard? And I think that this is always what Jesus is doing. He's pushing the limits of normal. He's pushing the limits of the world's definition of forgiveness. It makes sense. Somebody hurt you once, forgive them. That's fine. I might not treat you the same. I'll look at you a little different. I'll quietly judge you in my heart, but uh, 
we'll kind of pretend, right? And he's like, uh-uh. Even if it's seven times for the same sin in the same day, you must forgive. Jesus has always taken it to this place where we are desperate for him to do something miraculous in our lives. That kind of forgiveness that he's asking us to live with in this passage, this kind of restorative kind of heart is not a normal heart. This is not a human place for us to live. This is a supernatural place empowered by God, by his spirit inside of us. We're singing, pour your spirit out because God, I don't want to forgive him again. Pour your spirit out because I don't have the grace to extend again. God, pour your spirit out, right, because I don't have what it takes. This is us in a desperate dependent. I love Jesus. He's always bringing us to the end of ourselves, saying, you're right. You can't forgive in your own strength and your own ability. You need me inside you, right? This is something that Jesus is always saying. Hey, as a disciple, get used to living in restoration. You're going to be offending people constantly. Do you know this? Everywhere I go, there I am, and my mouth is about to make a big mess, Anybody else identify with that, right? Sometimes it's just a look. That's all it takes, and I ruined dinner completely. I don't know about you, but I just, like, blew it up, and all I did was look up from my plate. I don't know what happened, but it's over now, right? It's like World War III, and I think it's so important for us to recognize that that restoration is an exercise. It's a muscle of a disciple of Jesus. It's something that we're always learning, always rebuking, always forgiving, always repenting, always receiving forgiveness. This is the, the work of a disciple. This is the life. Jesus is like, hey, I want you to be my disciple. Get used to forgiving people. Get used to apologizing. Get used to repenting. Get used to having a soft heart. Get used to overlooking offenses. Again, I'll come back to it. They will know you are my disciples, not by your great knowledge of Scripture, not by your great miraculous workings, not by your great worship service, but by your love for one another. We make it about so many other things, don't we? And Jesus is going, no, keep it simple. Rebuke them. If they repent, forgive them. A lot? Yes, all the time, right? Like, keep it up. This is the life that Jesus is inviting us into, a life of restoration. There are exceptions. I think about Scripture even says, hey, warn a divisive person once, and then a second time, then have nothing to do with them. If, if somebody is continually seeding, seeding like these, these seeds of discourse and, and disunity, the Bible is very clear have nothing to do with them. If somebody is abusive, like evil, absolutely there's distance required in these places. If, if somebody is unhealthy, unrepentant, see, Jesus makes it really clear in this passage, right? If, if, if they repent, forgive them. If they don't repent, man, you have no more responsibility at that point. And I think it's important for us to just kind of understand the limits and, and, and the boundaries of Scripture when it comes to relationship, that, that there is unhealthy things happening all the time in relationship, and we need God's grace and his spirit to help us navigate those exceptions. But the preponderance of relationship is pretty normal stuff with pretty stupid little moments, right, that we need to continue to forgive. And I say these exceptions just because I think it's important. Sometimes you might hear me say something and you lump in everybody into this thing. And, and the Bible is really clear about some of these people and the way to navigate some of these uh, kind of ways of, of exception. The last piece that's so cool in this passage, verse 7. He says, will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, hey, come sit down. Recline at the table. 
would he not rather say, remember, he's a servant. He was doing his job. Wouldn't he rather say, no, um, prepare supper for me. Dress properly. Serve me while I eat and drink. And afterwards, then you can eat and drink. Some of this is cultural, but it's kind of like the awareness, like a servant as a master, and this is how it works, right? Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? No. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Jesus, what are you trying to say, right? What do you... He's talking to his disciples, and he's like, hey, this is how it works with servants and masters and, and, and you. Aren't you my servants, and I'm your master, and I'm your leader? And, and, and really, when all things are done here, how are you to handle your heart? What kind of heart is, does, a, does a disciple have? I wrote it like this. The life that Jesus is calling us into is the life where humility wins. If you're writing that down, I just want you to grab that, that word humility there. Because I think that's such a posture of our hearts that Jesus is saying, hey, if you're going to be my disciple, this is the kind of life I want you to have where humility is winning in your heart. Most of the brokenness that we are experiencing in our relationships is because of pride. Most of the brokenness in, in our marriages, in our, in our parenting, and all of the work relationship dynamics and drama that we're all navigating, pride seems to sit below the surface of so many of these issues. And Jesus is going, hey, when you're my disciple, this is the life I've called you to, a life where humility is winning in your heart. Is there a battle? Absolutely. Pride is like this disease that we are constantly battling in our own hearts. We have this nature inside of us, this sinful nature that is always trying to win in our hearts. But by the grace of God and the Spirit of God, humility is possible for us. It's part of God's work in us is to help us have an accurate perspective of ourselves. Humility is understanding who we are in light of who God is. Tozer writes about how impossible it is to have pride when you are walking in the shadow of God. You think, you think your life, you figured it all out, right? Like just stand next to Jesus for just a moment. Right, like just, just, just be in his shadow for a moment of, of God, the creator and sustainer of all things, the one that spoke this sun into existence, the one that, that made these billions of people throughout history, the one that, that has orchestrated so many miraculous moments that are accounted for all throughout history, the one that, that has the power to save, the one that gave his son to die on a cross so that you and I could be rescued from our sin and shame and guilt, the one that was willing to do anything and everything so that we could be restored to him. Like, like forgiveness from God's standard, from his perspective, grace, the way that he loves, the way that he, he serves. Man, humility is impossible when you get close to Jesus. And so for you and I, like not to think less of ourselves, oh, I'm an idiot, oh, I'm a jerk, oh, I'm, th that's not humility. You're still self-focused when you're practicing those kind of thoughts. Right, that's self-centeredness. That's the same sin as pride, right? I'm awesome or I'm horrible. Same sin. Humility is to not be thinking of yourself at all. It's really impossible to think about yourself when you're in the presence of God. And his power, his glory, his love, his majesty, his goodness. And for you and I, like, like humility 
And winning in our lives is this constant pursuit of Jesus. God, I want to be near you. I want to know your voice. I want to have your heart. Show me what you want to change. Transform this mind. Tell me what I need to be thinking differently, how I need to be talking differently, how my attitude needs to change, God. In this place of transformation, humility is winning in our lives. This is the life of a disciple is where humility is winning in your and my heart. This is what makes restoration possible. You know that, right? Like this whole other piece we're talking about, forgiving people and, and, and overlooking offenses and all of that. Humility is what leads that. Pride is what destroys that. And Jesus is going, hey, you're my servants. Don't forget this, right? Don't forget where you came from. And, and it just brings me back to the spot. God, what a gift that you would take my sin, that you would die in my place, that you would offer me righteousness with God, that you would offer me a life of significance and meaning and purpose and impact that eternity could be shaped by a group of people like us. Are you kidding me? Right, God, that you would invite us into this party, that you would allow us to be a part of this mission, how messed up our past are, how broken our current future is, all of it, God. You have so much grace that you would allow us. God, forgive me for my pride. I am just a servant, so thankful to be on this journey. Thank you for letting me serve at your table. I don't even deserve to be in this house. And you allow me to serve you at this table, God. What a gift that you and I have to be able to be a part of this family. See, this is a heart where humility wins. Gratitude just comes up out of that heart, and we can't help but just express, God, you are good, you are faithful, you are loving, you are kind, God. I can't even believe how good you are. God, thank you that you would allow me to be a part of See, this is a heart where humility wins. I think that this life, as we describe it here, as Jesus kind of unpacks it through this passage, there's bits of it that are very overwhelming. And I love the disciples' prayer right in the middle of this passage. Verse 5, 6, it says, The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Oh, God, we don't have what it takes. I, I can't forgive like that. I can't be humble like that. God, I, I can't pay attention to my words all the time, and if I'm helping or hurting, God, increase our faith. The word faith here is faithfulness. It's walking this out. God, increase our capacity to walk this way. That's what, that's what the, the language here is in the, in the Greek. And I love how Jesus responds. He's like, guys, chill. It's okay. If you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, the smallest seed in the garden, if you have that kind of a faith, you can say to this uh, this mulberry tree, what is a mulberry tree? It's a deeply rooted tree. In fact, some would even say that the roots can last up to 600 years. Like, you think you got ruts, right? Like, this is some deeply rooted issues in your life. Unforgiveness, bitterness from your past, pain, a way of thinking that you've always battled. Jesus say, you could say to that deeply rooted mulberry tree that has owned your thinking, owned your heart, owned your life. You can say to it, go cast yourself into the sea, and it'll be so. All it takes is faith the size of a mustard seed. Be encouraged, disciples, right? Be encouraged that, that this is the kind of faith that, that you need and that this is the kind of miraculous work that God will do. He will uproot these things in our lives, these patterns, these ruts, these broken places, and, and he will lead us to this life that he's inviting us into. And for me, like, I, I needed this message today to kind of just be encouraged with this statement, Lord, increase our faith. 
Because I, I, I feel that emptiness that you feel too. I feel that like, do I have what it takes? Can I keep going, right? There's this sense of like kind of loomingness or, you know, whatever, like, ugh. How is this going to work out? Or how is life going to go? How is this summer going to happen? How is our kids going to turn out? How is our marriage going to be healed? How are these things going to be rescued? Like there's this looming kind of feeling, God just speaking right into it. Hey, if you just got, you got faith like as small as a mustard seed, I can do this miraculous work in your life. You just got to trust that I'm going to work it out in you. The life of a disciple is a life of transformation. It's a life of Jesus' power at work inside you. It's not a life of you trying harder and white knuckling your way through this and making yourself better. This is a life of surrender and submission to his power at work within you. And this is the kind of work that Jesus wants to do. He's saying, now, I want you to have faith. I'm gonna do it in you. I'm gonna uproot these mulberry trees. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you become who I'm calling you to be. This is the life. As we come to the end of this conversation, I just want you to consider for a moment where you stand in this life. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Have you, have you given your life to live for him? Maybe you're a disciple that's kind of been taking your life back a lot lately, doing it your way, in your timing, your priorities. Jesus is kind of reminding you today, remember? You're just blessed to be serving in this house. You've been kind of arrogant and consumed with yourself and stuff. Jesus is just kind of humbling you today. Maybe you've never said yes to his leadership. I said that early on today. Hey, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we want you to walk out of here today knowing that he loves you and that he wants to save you. That's where this life of discipleship starts. That's why we celebrate those people being baptized because that's a statement in their heart and before all of us, Jesus is my leader. Water doesn't save you, but it's a picture of your old life going down into the grave with Jesus when he went into the grave. He was there three days. We don't leave you there that long, right? And, and then, and then he, he came up out of the grave and you come up out of the water, a, a completely transformed person, resurrected to walk in this new life that Jesus has built you for, made you for, called you to. That's why this picture is so powerful. And it's a really a, a first step in you saying Jesus is in charge because he commands us to do it. It's not some like church thing that just churches should do. It's what Jesus said. And that's really the essence of discipleship is starting with Jesus as Lord, leader of your life, and then entering into this life of transformation that we're talking about today. So our hope is that every single one of us would begin with that sense of surrender. God, you are in charge. I'm not. You're my God. I'm not God. You're leading this life. And others of us are in this place of just, God, just transform me. Increase my faith faithfulness. Help me to be this disciple. I want you to take that connect card and we got you on your seat. And I want you to just spend a moment. You're praying. You're writing. Maybe you're checking one of these boxes at the bottom. I want to accept Jesus. I want to get baptized. Get connected. Start serving. Maybe on the back, you're just praying. And you need somebody to join you in prayer. We'll pray with you this week. We'll call you tomorrow. Just for a moment, between you and God, just be praying, be riding, responding to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your heart right now.
Jesus, you're speaking so powerfully and so clearly to every individual here online, here in the room. God, you have so much that you're up to. God, there's people here that are desperate for encouragement, for healing, for strength. There's people here, God, that are desperate for just being humbled. God, they, they've been so full of themselves. God, they need you to just humble them right now. There's others that are desperate for salvation. God, they've never known your love and they can just sense your love right now, saying, I see you, I know you, I have purpose for you. God, I pray you give them the courage right now to respond, just open up their heart to you, to repent of trying to lead their lives. God, turn to you. Jesus, we trust you. God, thank you that this life that you've invited into is a life that's empowered. It's not in our effort and our work, but it's by your grace. God, would you increase our faith? God, would you help us, God, to, to live this life, to be these people who are aware, who are working at restoration, who are, God, always walking in humility. We need you, Jesus, and we trust you. Thank you, God, for your church. I thank you for everyone here, God. You, you love them so much, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Real Life Northside podcast. We hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Again, take a look at the description for ways to get connected or get involved. We love you.